The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio show to tell you all about real estate investing, answer your questions, keep you updated on the most effective strategies, terms, etc. to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate. And today is question and answer day on Real Life Real Estate, as it is on the last Wednesday of at least most months. That means that there is no show without your questions. You can call in your questions on any aspect of real estate investing toll free at 877-772-9658. Or if you're in the greater Cincinnati area, you can just call us on our local number at 513-772-9658. You can also send those questions by going to askvina at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V, like in Victor, E-N-A, at gmail.com. While you're at askvina.com, uh, which is uh, our website, it's askvina.com, uh, be sure to sign up for our weekly e-letter. That's a free email that comes to you each week that includes information about the upcoming show and topic, reminds you to listen in live from 5 to 6 on Wednesdays, and also includes an article by or about our guests or their topics. So there's some supplementary information that you're missing out on if you're not on our email list, which again, you can go, you can get on by going to askvina.com. Also, you get kept up throughout the week in the year with other things that are going on in the real estate world and occasionally even get offered uh, even more supplemental information. Like right now, we're offering a free report about how to select your guru, how to know when a particular piece of education might be... um, not of the quality that uh, you should be uh, paying for. So it's called the Guru Manifesto, and uh, we're sending that out in the next few days to the folks who are on our email list. Again, you can get there by going to askvina.com, clicking the button that says Try Real Life Real Estate's free e-letter, and filling in your information. 
It's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. 877-772-9658 is the toll-free number to call with your questions, or you can submit them through the askvina.com website. We're also looking for a second thing today on question and answer day, and that is advice for the new investor. I was speaking to one of my coaching students a few days ago, and she's a brand new investor, never done a deal. And like a lot of new investors, she's gotten she's gotten sort of discouraged and frustrated because people call her from her letters and they tell her that they have a house for sale and then they tell her that they want full price and that they won't take one dime less. And she's starting to feel like, although real estate investing might work for other people, it doesn't work for her. So if you are a seasoned real estate investor and you were talking to this coaching student, we'll just call her, we'll call her Sally just to give her a name. If you were talking to Sally, what would you tell her? What do you wish you had known when you first began pursuing real estate as a business? And uh, what what do you wish someone had told you? 877-772-9658. I have a question here that uh, came via email that actually arrived last week, but it was for the guests from the previous week. So I forwarded it to Darren Carey, who was my guest a week before last, who talked about creative finance, and uh, he was good enough to answer it. So I'm going to be reading you the question and then the answer that Darren gave to it. The question, which is from John in Anderson, South Carolina, is when Darren uses creative financing, does he have a formula that he uses that deviates from the normal after repaired value formula that you use? And if you're a new listener to Real Life Real Estate and you don't know what John's talking about when he says the normal after repaired value formula. Uh, there's a there's a general formula out there that's thrown around about what you ought to pay for a piece of real estate that goes something like, take the after repaired value of the property, multiply that by 0.7, or sometimes it's 0.65, or sometimes it's 0.6, and then subtract from that the repair costs. And that's the maximum you should be paying for a property. It's called the maximum allowable offer, sometimes abbreviated MAO, and then pronounced MAO like mayonnaise. So we've got ARVs and MAOs. And, and the question is about uh, if Darren is getting a getting financing on a property from a seller, does he uh, deviate from that ARV formula? Darren's answer was, do I deviate from the after repaired value and maximum allowable offer formula when using creative financing? No, no, and no, but it may look like it. If the seller is offering terms similar to a bank, I use the same formula that I would use if I were paying cash. If the seller is financing short term, I use the same formula. However, there might be a little leeway for perks like no interest or no payments, but I can only pay as much more as it would save me in financing costs. To the third question, again, no, but it may look like it. I can pay, quote, more than the maximum allowable offer if and only if the seller financing is assumable. In other words, the seller will let a a buyer who's buying it from Darren assume it. 
and it continues through full amortization. In other words, there's no balloon payment. Alternatively, if there is a balloon, the balloon amount must be less than a traditional bank finance balance would be when the balloon is due. Think of it in terms of adding the interest into the initial purchase price, then lowering or eliminating the interest rate. You must have a very low or 0% interest rate for this to work. Here's an example, and I'm doing a little rounding to keep it simple. Your maximum allowable offer is 70000 The seller wants 100000 and won't budge on the price. Your bo- local bank will lend you 70000 for 30 years at 6% interest with a payment of about four twenty. Seller financing with a price of 100000 on a 20-year loan at 0% interest has exactly the same payment. Seller financing with a price of 100000 Oh, just read that. Uh, after seven and a half years, you break even on the balances and are at the same amount owed, which is $62,500. At 20 years, the $100,000 mortgage has paid off to the seller. But if you got the $70,000 bank, bank mortgage, it still has 10 years to go. So it may look like you're paying more than maximum allowable offer. But what you're really doing is simply putting the interest in up front Even if there was a 10-year balloon, you would still come out ahead by about $100,000 in this example. You just added the interest up front. The real value of creating creative financing is not, does not have to do with the price or maximum allowable offer. It's about avoiding the hoops and red tape encountered when dealing with bank financing and instead being able to create a deal on your own terms with a seller for a win-win. So... There you go, John. There's uh, Darren's answer to your question from two weeks ago. If you have a question about anything related to real estate investing, give us a call at 772-9658 or send an email. Go to askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. It's question and answer day here on Real Life Real Estate, which means there's no show without you. If you have questions, you can call them in to 877-772-9658, or you can uh, go to askvena.com. That's A-S-K-V-E-N-A dot com. Fill in the response form there and be sure and let us know where you are contacting us from, because sometimes that makes a difference in the answers. While you're there, of course, also make sure you sign up to get on our mailing list for your free uh, weekly e-letter and other information about upcoming events. For instance, and I'm kind of jumping the gun here. I know this, Mike, but I'm so excited about it. I just can't, I can't keep it to myself. We're going to be doing an all-day wholesaling class here at the WMKV studios in July for listeners who want to get an entire, you know, sort of detailed but compacted day on how to successfully wholesale in today's market. And uh, yeah, there will be a donation to the station attached to that, but uh, it will be well worth it for a full day of education. And, you know, how do you hear about stuff like that? You're on our email list. That's how. That's asvina.com to either ask a question or sign up for our email distribution list. Uh, also, again, looking for questions and also, and in addition to that, uh, for those of you who are a little bit more seasoned, advice for a coaching student of mine who's feeling very frustrated about uh, after you know a few months in the business having 
talked to a lot of sellers, reviewed some properties, not gotten any deals. What is it you wish someone had told you early on in your real estate career that would have made it easy for you? Uh, actually got a response to that question from Sean in Fort Collins, Colorado. She says, regarding what should new investors know about the business? I think what they should know is that buying no money down deals is not a course selling gimmick. I personally have not used a dime of my own money in years. So there you go, new investors, Sean says. Yep, the no money down thing is for real. A uh, question sent in from Jane in Washington, D.C. Are the same formulas still working? We are seeing properties now going at the bank's list price with absolutely no strings attached. Any suggestion for structuring a viable offer when you don't have pure cash without using a hard money lender? In Maryland, the offers through... Aria say subject to hard money lenders approval. P.S. I also invest in Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati, but it's slow. Now, Jane, this is this is the reason that we have that thing at the bottom of the of the Asfina.com response form that says, tell us where you're writing from, because what you are seeing up there in Washington, D.C., is an effect of being in Washington, D.C., where the real estate market is well on its way to recovery. Now, by recovery, I do not mean that you're going to see the same prices next year that you saw in 2005. I'm saying that in in the Washington, D.C. Metroplex, that you guys do not have nearly the amount of unsold inventory that we have in the rest of the country. A report came out last week saying that real estate sales were very strong in also the San Francisco area, the Phoenix area, Las Vegas, believe it or not, uh, that was a that was a bit of of a surprise to me. Uh, there are several markets that are leading the rest of the country in terms of speed of house sales and recovery of prices, and the D.C. area is one of them. So part of what you are seeing, Jane, is that uh, you're getting a lot of competition from homeowners who will, of course, pay more than you will from renovators who are jumping back into the market because they know they can now sell quickly to homeowners. Now, your question uh, had to do with structuring a viable offer when you don't have pure cash. So in other words, you still want to be in the market. You maybe don't want to pay the bank's full list price, and you certainly don't want to get into a bidding war. So your question is, how do you structure an offer where you can uh, compete with the other offers without the use of a hard money lender? Uh, I would say this about that. Number one, what's wrong with using a hard money lender? And number two, if you don't have the cash to play that game, your other choice is going to be a partner or a private lender who has the money to get into that sort of situation with you. So, um, yeah, uh, congratulations. And also, sorry about living in a market where the real estate uh, market is well on its way to recovery. Your Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati area investments should be going great because although we have seen uh, both increase in prices here in our market month after month over month uh, for the last few months and more sales month over month, there are still plenty of bank-owned properties sitting on the market waiting to be absorbed. 
Uh, we have uh, much, many more months worth of inventory here than you guys do up there. Oh, and one other comment I want to make about the bank-owned properties. Several of the larger banks have recently gone through a change in the way they are pricing their REOs uh, that is meant to get them off the market quicker. Uh, they are they are pricing them closer to what they're they're actually going to end up selling for as opposed to what it seems like they used to do, which is uh, put them on the market at some dream price and then slowly lower them as the months go by. So uh, there's another reason for why you're seeing those properties go off the market quickly, Jane. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate. If you have a question here on Question and Answer Day or... If you'd like to help out a new investor by giving some advice about uh, how, to, how to get past that, that new investor fear and frustration and things that you wish that you had been told when you were a new investor, give us a call at 877-772-9658 or send an email by going to askvina.com and filling in the email response form. Uh, I have one other question here, and uh, when that's over, we're just going to sit here in silence for the next 35 minutes. Well, yes, well, I'm sure I'm sure Mike has a crickets chirping uh, uh, CD around here someplace. Uh, let's see, question from Robert in Elyria, Ohio. He says, I am trying to start a business of owning non-owner occupied, I assume is what that means, homes. By the way, folks, when, when you send questions, you might you might want to not abbreviate things because I don't always understand like what NOO homes means. I'm assuming that means non-owner occupied. My purpose is to open them as group homes, having zero money to put down and poor credit. How do I go about getting these houses? I appreciate any help you can offer. That's from Robert in Elyria, Ohio. So let's get this straight. You have no money and no credit. And your question is, how do I start a business of owning group homes? Uh, well, the answer is, uh, Bob, you do it the same way that you that everybody else with no money and no credit does it, which is you look for homes that you can buy with owner financing. I would direct you to our iTunes page and have you listen to what Darren Carey had to say two weeks ago. Or you raise money because this is what you are contemplating doing here is really very much a business that happens to need real estate as equipment. You're, if your if your goal is is create group homes of some sort, the business is putting whoever it is you're serving into these homes, working with the folks who serve them. It is not really real estate. You know, your your business is not really real estate. Your business is group homes. Now you happen to need a piece of equipment for that, which is real estate. So you might want to look at. Uh, raising some funds for the business. In other words, uh, as you legally go out and attract investors, and I would, I would send you back to that podcast and have you listen to what Jillian Sedoti has to say about how to do that legally. Uh, you go in and instead of saying we're going to own real estate together, you say we're going to own this business together, and one of the assets of the business is going to be real estate, but a lot of the income of the business is really coming from the fact that I, one hopes, am an expert in group housing and have these connections with uh, 
organizations that need to house these folks and this is how that is going to work. So yeah, basically the same way everybody else does owner financing and private financing. Luckily, there's a break because I have I don't have any more questions here. And um, with with no questions, there's no show. So I'm sure you have questions. Call them in at 877-772-9658 or send us an email by going to askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate, meaning that it is your show. What do you want to know about how to get started, how to deal with tenants, how to get financing? What will put you further along on the path to financial independence through real estate investing? Because today's the day to ask your questions. It's sort of an open mic day here on Real Life Real Estate. You can give us a call by dialing toll-free 877-772-9658, or you can send us an email by going to askvina at gmail.com. We're going to go to the phones now, line one, and I'm going to guess that's pronounced Karunya in Cincinnati? Yeah, Karunya, exactly. Hey, I got it. Hi, Karunya. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Nina. How are you? Very good. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you. Uh, well, I have a question I have a property that I bought it as a foreclosure. At the point, the prices were about, let's say, it was 30% less than what the original value was. That's what I bought it for. Mm-hmm. And then I took a second mortgage on it to fix the house. Mm-hmm. So now, unfortunately, I have to move and sell the property. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what are my... I mean, when it is actually to take a loss and sell it or in the property and cut down your losses and see hopefully the market will get better. This is your primary residence at the moment? At this moment, yes. Okay. Uh, give me some round figures. We don't have to know the exact numbers, but give me some round figures. What is the total amount that you owe on the property? Okay. The total amount I owe is like about $182,000, including the second mortgage on the first mortgage. And what do you think it, the, what do you think it would sell for right now if you stuck a sign in the front yard? Okay. If I have an offer at hundred and sixty five thousand dollars that is before the three percent uh, real estate fee, mm-hmm. which will come come down to hundred and fifty eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually it'll, it'll probably at, come down to a little bit less than that by the time you pay your closing costs and your transfer taxes oh, that's and true, so yes. on. Okay, and between your first and second mortgage, what is the total payment? Uh, $1,800. And does that include taxes and insurance? Uh, yes, that includes the taxes and insurance. Yes. Okay, and what do you think the property would rent for? I'm thinking 1100 or $1,200. That's max. pushing. Okay. I, I, I think you might be slightly underestimating the rent, but not by a lot. <laughs> I think you, okay. uh, it, it's entirely possible that you might be able to get thirteen to $1,400 per okay. month for that property, but that still leaves you with a deficit of $500 a month on your mortgage payment. So yeah. your, your, your choices here are, uh, you've, really, you've really got four of which three are not great choices and one is a little bit complicated, okay? 
Okay. Choice <clears throat> choice one. Take the hit, sell the property for one sixty five, pay the difference, and get on with your uh-huh. life. Okay. So so that's the that's the let's just let's just cut the arm off right now and be done with it choice. Mm-hmm. Choice number two is as you said, rent it out. You will have a again a deficit of I would say a minimum of five hundred dollars a month, and that does not, by the way, include repainting it when the tenant moves out. That does not include having it managed for you yeah, if you need that to happen. That's the we're not going to cut the arm off. We're just going to cut it and bleed slowly. Option, yeah. <laughs> but as you said, there that that does leave open the option that at some point the value of the property increases beyond. Uh, what you currently owe. However, just loosely using that that $500 a month loss option, you're talking about $6,000 a year. Yes. That you would be losing. So pretty pretty soon you're back up to that uh uh what? Let's see 182 165. You're you you're, you're going to lose about 25,000 by selling it right now. You will have lost the same amount if you hold on to it for 4 years uh, oh, yeah. and yeah. and lose money on the rent every month. The third option Stop paying your mortgages and try to do a short sale. That's going to destroy your credit. I know. I don't want to do that. <laughs> but, but it, but it, but there's a, there's a, I would say a, a fair chance. It depends on who your lender is, but there's a, there's a fair chance that one or both of your lenders would lower the loan balances to the point where uh, you would not lose the twenty five thousand dollars. But then again, good luck buying another house for the next, you know, seven years know. If, if you do that. Yeah. <laughs> now the complicated option is you could offer this property to a buyer who cannot qualify for their own bank loan right now mm-hmm. with financing that you carry. Now, this would be this would be something along the lines, and I know you're going to have to go do some research on this because we only have like 20 minutes left on the show and I could spend two hours telling you how to do this. Uh, it, it would be something along the lines of a land contract or a wraparound mortgage. Okay. It is entirely possible that you could sell this property for $190,000 under those terms. Now you're saying, okay. but, but wait, best offer I've gotten is one sixty-five. Why would somebody pay one ninety? Well, the answer is it, sound, yeah. it sounds like you got a nice house in a nice neighborhood. Yeah. I'm guessing it's a good school system. I'm guessing mm-hmm. it's a place people want to live. There yeah, are right. there are an awful lot of people out there who want to live in your house and, in fact, want to own your house, mm-hmm. but they can't qualify for bank financing right now. Okay. So, so the fact that you would be willing to let them not only live in it, but make payments to own it has value. Yeah. It has value in itself. Now, yeah, if I'm if I'm Fannie Mae qualified, I can just run to the bank and get myself a loan. I can I can offer you whatever I want. If I'm not Fannie Mae qualified because I went through foreclosure five years ago, mm-hmm. I, I don't have you know I don't have a lot of options. I mean I gotta I've gotta I've gotta pay you what you're asking within reason. You know I've gotta pay you what you're asking uh, for the for your property. Okay. Okay. So. The hundred and ninety thousand dollars, I think, is is very reachable. You might even be able to get one ninety five. I mean, I'd have to I'd have to look at comps, but you can typically get more than the quote fair market value for a property if you are willing mm-hmm. to offer financing. You're going to want to get a significant down payment. If it's a hundred mm-hmm. hundred and ninety thousand dollars sale, you would want to get at least the difference between that and your mortgage. 
You want to get at least $8,000 down uh, because yeah. that shows you that, number one, those folks are committed, and number two, they're at least somewhat financially stable. You'd want to qualify your buyer. You'd want to have okay. an attorney draw up the documents so that both you and your buyer are protected so that they okay. they have something recorded to show that they are, in fact, in this deal and you have something showing that they owe you the money. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, this is going to be more complicated for you. You're going to have to, know, but... you're going to, have to advertise yeah. it. You're going to have to screen your buyers. You're going to have to... Um, you know, make make decisions about folks, et cetera. But it's it's a way that is likely to both save your credit and get you out of this without having to pay an arm and a leg uh, to get out of it. Um, in, incidentally, what is the amount of your second mortgage? I want forty two thousand dollars. And let me guess that that is a higher interest and shorter amortization than your first mortgage. Definitely, yes. Okay, okay. Uh, the question is still going to be raised here about whether you can get a high enough payment to cover both of your mortgage payments completely. You're almost certainly going to be able to get a higher payment than you would for rent and, and, and thus have less of a loss each month. And, of course, mm-hmm. if, you, if you can get enough up front to pay down that second mortgage quite a bit, that could, that could make some difference as well. Uh, but you need some advice here. Uh, there are folks out there, by the way, uh, who are who are currently offering consulting services on this kind of deal, where okay. they they will help you set up the deal correctly. They will help you to screen the buyers and have the paperwork in place and so on. So you might want to try and get in contact with one of those folks. But uh, if it were me, and I know that's that that doesn't help, you know, if it if, if it were me who has twenty years of real estate experience. I would choose option number four, okay. which is try try to increase the value of my own property by offering financing to people who are qualified on their income and on their down payment and on their seriousness, but they're just not currently qualified based on Fannie Mae or FHA guidelines. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's, I've never, I wouldn't have known that before, but thank you very much. Uh, you are very welcome, and thank you so much for calling Real Life Real Estate Investing. Okay, thank you. It's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. We're doing two things, answering your questions about uh, your particular real estate situations or just anything that has been bugging you, questions that you've been wanting to ask about any aspect of real estate investing. Also asking the question, what advice would you give to a new investor who is feeling discouraged about the real estate business? If you are a more blooded investor what would you tell people that you wish you had known early on um got a response to that one uh from darren from dayton uh, who i think was also responding to sean from colorado's piece of advice which is that no money down is for real darren says no money down does not necessarily make it a good deal (laughs) that sounds like a lesson that might have been uh, learned the hard way uh, again, askvina.com to email in your questions. You can also call them in at 877-772-9658. Uh, question here, actually, I'm going to skip that one until I get a response to the question that I sent back to her about specific information that she was looking for about 
Fannie Mae. And uh, nope, going to have to go back and answer that question because it seems to be the only one I have in the inbox. Uh, Or Mike says we can take a break and then maybe Christine will have a chance to respond to my email back to her. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing Question and Answer Week. Call in your questions toll free at 877-772-9658 or email them by going to askmina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We only have about uh, 12 minutes left in the official show. Real Life Real Estate's question and answer week happens on the last Wednesday of every month. I'm I'm starting to get the impression that there's some folks out there who think that Real Life Real Estate is only a podcast. That, like we just sit here and record it and then put it up on iTunes. And in fact, it is a live radio show on WMKV. FM here in the greater Cincinnati area. So uh, Wednesdays from 5 to 6 Eastern Standard Time, you can listen live, streaming audio, wmkvfm.org, and call in with questions live and ask questions of our guests via email. You can also do that right now at 877-772-9658. I also wonder if there's people listening to the podcast dialing their phones, you know, like a month later. I never... Do they think I'm on the air all the time? That's the other question. You can also go to askvina.com to ask your question. A uh, question from Christina in Cincinnati. All right, I got some clarification on this. Christina's first email said, please tell us about your experiences dealing with Fannie Mae. I'd like to share mine, but they're not appropriate for the radio. Her follow-up email <laughs> specifies that she's referring to Fannie Mae REOs, so so bank-owned properties that are owned by Fannie Mae, and more specifically to deed restrictions that Fannie Mae puts into uh, deeds when they sell properties. Now, a lot of folks are are not familiar with this rule that Fannie Mae has been following for about the last three years or so, and they get very surprised because they they make an offer on a Fannie Mae p- property. Sometimes they're called home path properties. It's the same thing. And their offer is, quote, accepted. And then after it is, quote, accepted, Fannie Mae sends them a long, long addendum. And buried in that addendum is some wording that says that the buyer, that's you, cannot resell the property for more than 120% of what the buyer paid for the property for 90 days following the purchase. It goes on to say that the borrower cannot refinance the property for 90 days for more than 120% of what they paid for the property. Now, if you're not a renovator, you may not understand the importance of that deed restriction. It is very common, uh, particularly in flyover country to buy a bank owned property for let's just throw out a number $30,000 and that property needs $40,000 worth of renovation. So by the time you're finished making it into a, a a bright shiny property, you have $70,000 in that property. And what this Fannie Mae deed restriction says is that a, you can't borrow 70, you can't borrow the money that you need to renovate the property. And B, 
you can only resell it for 120% of what you paid for it, not what you have in it. So within 90 days, the top sale price for which you can sell that property that you bought for $30,000 but have $70,000 in is $36,000. Do you see the problem? Do you see why Christine is a little bent out of shape about the deed restriction? Now, in her particular case, Fannie Mae forgot to put the deed restriction in the addendum. The, The addendum itself did not actually say you are agreeing to this deed restriction because when it says that, you can, of course, refuse to sign it. A lot of a lot of uh, real life real, real estate listeners over the years have asked me, "Can I change the addendum? Can I cross that out?" Well, you you can try, but but it's not going to get accepted. You can't once your offer is accepted. Trying to change one of these banks' addendums is is it's it's just impossible. You just they just they won't do it. In her case, it was not in the addendum, but it was in the deed that she was presented at the closing. The deed restriction. She did not agree to the deed restriction, but then it appeared in the deed. And apparently the uh, the uh, response to what the heck is it doing here? Get it out was no, we're not going to do that because that's what we always do. So, uh, yeah, um, uh, Christina, your only real choice there was to refuse to close. And you would have been within your rights to refuse to close because you did not agree to the deed restriction. You did not sign an addendum that said that you agreed to the deed restriction. However, I bet you that at the point at which you were sitting at that closing table, you already had money in that, right? You'd already paid for a title search or were at least uh, obligated to pay for a title search. You'd probably rounded up some hard money, you know, done some other things that might have cost you a little bit of money and you didn't want to walk away from it. And I understand that. And I understand that you unfairly got caught up in the grinder there and that uh, making any argument to a what used to be a pseudo private company that's now owned by the U.S. taxpayer is going to get you absolutely nowhere, but that you still want to scream about it. I get all of that. Here's the thing about that deed restriction. In 90 days, it expires. And renovators who get real concerned about this, I, 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 I always ask them, is it truly the case that you are going to be able to get that property completely renovated and get an offer on it and get that offer to a closing in 90 days? I mean, it's taken, what, 45 to 60 days for people to get their, their loans put together. So that assumes that you, your property is finished in 45 days, you get an offer the day you put it on the market, and then it takes less than 45 days for that closing to consummate. Otherwise, you're past the 90-day limit, and it doesn't really matter that much. Now, is it a smart rule? No. Is it a fair rule? No. Should Fannie Mae be doing it? Absolutely not. It's probably, bottom line, though, not going to affect you a lot. So, I wouldn't get uh, too terribly concerned in it with it, but yes, Fannie Mae, like all of the big banks who are uh, uh, selling REOs, is very heavy-handed uh, in dealing with the uh, uh, buyers of these properties, and she sent me a follow-up, another follow-up email saying, "Yes, our choices were to just take it." or to walk away and wait forever for our $10,000 earnest money check to be returned. Yep, you pretty much analyzed that exactly right, Christina. Those were 
in fact, your two choices. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate. We have just a couple of more minutes left here in question and answer week. Also looking for advice uh, for the new investor and uh, just got a piece of advice for the new investor through askvina.com. This is uh, from Sabrina, who lives in Malibu, California. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. Pretty place. Uh, Sabrina says, my advice for the new investor is simply not to get frustrated. If you keep doing what successful people are doing, you will absolutely succeed. She says, my goal is to have complete financial freedom and flexibility, be completely debt-free, and be my own boss. If I were a millionaire or a multimillionaire, I would mentor motivated novice investors and show my guru skills by taking them from start to closing of their first deal. Someday I will be a multimillionaire. I know I have the drive. So... Uh, thank you, Sabrina. I mean, but basically, I think that that boiled down to just don't take it personally and don't get emotional about it and keep keep doing what successful people are doing. A uh, question from Robert in Hudson, Ohio, frequent listener here to Real Life Real Estate. He says, what questions should I ask when interviewing a prospective property manager? What a great question, Robert. Uh, I think the first question that you probably need to ask when interviewing a prospective property manager is, do you have a real estate license? Because in every state that of which I am aware, in order to manage properties for other people, one either has to be a licensee of some sort. Now, in most states, it means you have to just have a real estate license. In some states, there is such thing as a property manager's license. And you also have to have a an escrow account in which you hold any money uh, that be- that actually belongs to the people for whom you are managing properties. In other words, if as the property manager, you are the one collecting the rent from the tenants and then paying out the expenses and paying the difference back to the owner, you can't just simply put that money into your business account or your personal account for reasons that I'm sure, Robert, you can work out for yourself. Uh, instead, you have to have a separate account that holds other people's money, as it were. And that includes, by the way, tenant deposits. So... First question is, are you in fact licensed to do this? I think the second question would be, how much experience do you have dealing with rental properties and tenants? And I think a very important third question would be, what sort of systems do you operate in your management of real estate? Because uh, it seems to me, from what I am seeing out in the market, that Many real estate agents are, deci- are, are, are just deciding to go into the property management business because they're allowed to, because that's, you know, they have the real estate license, and because there is not a lot of um, activity maybe going on in their listing and selling business. They think it's going to be easy. Uh, I put an ad in Craigslist, people will show up, and I then. Um, rent them houses. I mean, they, they, they don't maybe have a real idea of what management is all about. Somebody who is truly running a management business who is likely to be successful with it is going to have written out systems for things like 
exactly how do we post ads? Exactly uh, when do we make reports to our owners? Exactly what is our process for uh, screening applications? What is our process for Note, uh, for invoicing tenants, for finding out, or for, for uh, dealing with them when their rent is late. Uh, if there are no written systems, you probably have a property manager who's just going to be sort of a placeholder. And if they get lucky enough to find a uh, good tenant, then, then you'll get a good tenant. And if they don't get lucky and they find a bad tenant, guess what? You will end up with a bad tenant. So are you licensed? How much experience do you have? What are your systems? And then the fourth question I would ask is how many properties do you have under management and how many people are in your operation? Because if they say, I have 150 properties under management and it's just me, uh, I would very strongly question whether or not they are going to be able to handle the management of yet another property. In fact, I would question whether they are able to handle the management of the ones that they have. Robert, I would also direct you back to our podcast. Check out the interview a few months ago with John Jones on choosing a property manager because uh, he, he talked about the different things that property managers do and what they charge for it and so on and so forth. So thank you very much for your question, Robert, and for all the questions here today on Real Life Real Estate Investing. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Nine three WMKV Reading Ohio Local Twelve News is next.